Hello and welcome to this special bonus episode of The Dairy Edge. Chagas are running a weekly Let's Talk Dairy webinar series, which is also being made available as a podcast. On this week's webinar, Stuart Charles spoke to Galway dairy farmer Eamon Connachton about his decision to switch to a once a day milking system and how he has maintained high profit margins despite lower production. Eamon is uh, farming and your craft well in, in Lachray in County Galway. And uh, I suppose <coughs> we're just going to talk through this as opposed to being doing a, an actual presentation, I suppose, uh, with you, Eamon. Um, yep. So I suppose in, in one sense, to just give a bit of background on the herd, we're talking about um, you were a liquid milk supplier back in 2007. And it was at that stage that you kind of went down the crossbreeding route. So you, you are now fully crossbred herd and I suppose there's been a lot of talk about the, the type of cow in, in this scenario, but you were saying yesterday when we were talking that you actually felt that you had an ideal cow for crossbreeding because you had the yield, obviously, from the liquid milk type cow and you're getting the, the boost in, the, in terms of the solids from the, the crossbred. Um, so you were milking twice a day and I suppose you grew the herd from 110 cows up to 160, we'd say, as quarters were removed and so forth in 2015. And then... Uh, I, I think you'll you won't forget the, the beast from the east anyway because you were saying yesterday about the day before you got notification that you were losing 57 acres or 22 hectares basically and only six weeks notice on it as well so it, it, it was by accident almost that you came to to think of once a day nearly in a way really wasn't it but it, it, yeah it sort of came on me pretty fast but I, it had it, it was something that had crossed my mind Previous to that, when I went to, um, in 2017, when I went to 160 cows and I was making the full 74 hectares, the farthest land away was being used as support block, really. Mm. And it had crossed my mind that I would once a day and make more cows. You know, would I be making more use of that land? But then in 2018... When, when I lost, I got the short notice about losing the the lease land that was so, so close to the parlor. I I was sort of stuck in a hair place, and I had I where I found it, I had two options. I could have sold forty or fifty cows and gone on on just kept going on twice a day and just use the we'll say the about thirty five hectares closest to the parlor because. The, the farthest away well, wouldn't be practical walking them twice a day. Yeah. It's two and a half kilometers to the farthest part, part of the farm. And uh, that was one option. And the other option then was to go once a day and try and keep as many cows as I, as I could. Yeah, and I suppose um, you, you didn't go into it blind though either because you'd actually happened to attend the once a day conference in January of 2018 was like a stroke of luck, I suppose. Maybe that you jumped into the jeep and went down with your with your friend that was actually int- genuinely interested in it at the time. Like, absolutely. And and I I remember being very interested in the day, but I, I it, in hindsight, it did cost me for that. When it, when the once a day option was looking at me, I had heard at that conference that fifteen to twenty percent of the cows may not it may not suit once a day. And I was afraid, I sort of knew 160 cows was too many to go for. And once a day, it would have been a stocking rate of about three, I think. I thought it was, it was going to be difficult, but I thought 
that if I sold 20 cows, I could end up selling the wrong 20 cows and end up with, with cows that the system didn't put. That's, that was one of the reasons I kept all the cows. And I had hoped that I'd be able to, in 2018, I'd be able to source winter feed and things off farm. But as it turned out, 2018 was the year of the drought. And that was a, a costly mistake. I had I struggled to feed all the animals that year and, and get them winter feed. Yeah, so so you were you were stacked high at the time. Um, anyway, I suppose even on the twice a day situation, and I suppose just to make it clear to people as well that you lost this land. The beast from the east was the start of March. You were more or less out of that in the end of March, and I think was it the twenty fifth of March? You said was the first night that you didn't bring the cows in for milking. So they kind of they were in a twice a day scenario really, and then they just you you kind of switched them to the once a day just at the end of March because, as you said, your hands were tied really. My hands were tied, yeah. Yeah, it was the twenty fifth of March, I remember. Um they, they were they were a good bit away from the house, but a, a neighbour of mine rang me at around eleven o'clock that night and he said, Damon, there's something wrong with the cows, they're doing awful shouting and roaring over here. And uh, I was uh, I was sort of embarrassed to tell him that uh, I didn't miss them in the evening and that's why they're roaring. But they they did that for two nights and got out of it and after that they never looked back. Yeah, and I've often heard people saying that yeah, it is a, it's the farmer is the harder person to change rather than the cows. Yeah, I've heard that several times. Um, so, yeah, I suppose, look, we'll show the map now in a second. And you've already mentioned that, that it's two and a half kilometres to the furthest paddock. And some people might think, what about it? Like, But there's actually three or four road crossings involved in it as well. So um, it's it's a challenging farm in that sense, I suppose. You're now milking 140. You've come back from the 160. Did you find it easy to identify the 20 to call that time after the drought or... Well, as it turned out, I didn't find many cows, not too many cows that the system didn't suit. Um, during the drought that time, I ended up I ended up selling cows just at the beginning of the drought because I knew I was going to struggle too much to to try and feed them. Okay. I ended up giving them away at bad prices, and you know, but it was just a situation we were in. Everybody was suffering that year. It just it was just no feed growing. Yeah. Okay. But, um, I didn't, I, I haven't found, there's a, a small number of cows, I, I, I know that they go dry in August. They'll milk away fine and then come August, they'll start putting flesh on their back and dry up, you know, nearly overnight. Yeah. But um, the, the, there's only a small few of them. Okay, yeah. and I suppose, are you, are you doing anything? You have a very high EBI, uh, Frisian Jersey Cross herd at 161 of an EBI. Are you doing anything in terms of breeding, in terms of selecting um, kind of genetics that you feel might be more uh, suitable to the ones today? Um, I, don't, I don't think I'm doing a whole lot different, really. I, I, when I'm selecting cows or bulls, I'd look at the percentages, fat and protein. And I'd also look at the, the kilos of, of milk because yeah. it's, only, it's only my 140 cows I'd be looking at. The ones, if they're very negative on kilos of milk, milk they, they will seem to be the ones that go dry. There are a chance to go on dry. Yeah. yeah, makes sense, I suppose. So I, 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 like, I like to keep them close to, close to zero. Yeah, like to, to potent, you want milking potential, but you're not going after much huge volumes either at the same time. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so your contract rearing uh, heifers now, 
Um, and you were doing that as well just before before you went to, uh, once a day as well. Yeah, yeah, I've been doing that now for I'd say seven or eight years, but it's a it's an arrangement with my brother. My brother yes. has, has a farm and he, he leased it. He wasn't able to stock it back, I'd say about two thousand and twelve or thirteen or that. And it's just a it's a good system. He takes the, the heifers off me, the calves after they're weaned, and he keeps them until puts them in calf for me and they come back for the, the winter before the, the calf down. Yeah, and that, that's allowed you to farm the whole block then with, with the whole, and it's been a, it's been an influential piece as well in terms of the whole once a day as well, now that you, you are able to go to the whole farm now because they're only doing it once in the day, but it wasn't really feasible to do that twice a day because of the road crossings and the actual distance as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that two and a half kilometres, if they've gone over to that field, they have to cross through the roads. And you can't drive them and wait for them at the same time because you have to stand at the road. They're not roads. You can throw wires, a wire across and drive the cows. You have to wait. Cars, traffic comes, it blows the gate and let the car off. And, yeah. You know, so you have to... It's, I spend an awful lot of my time standing on the road watching the cows walking past me. <laughs> you were saying yesterday that you nearly have to take a lunchbox with you when you're going to those faraway ones. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the other thing that was um that's interesting I suppose is your your infrastructure so you have a 14 unit parlor um 140 cubicles and adequate storage and so forth and we were saying yesterday about the we'll say in terms of the obviously that's 10 rounds of cows it's in your it's in your game plan I suppose that you're going to do something around the milking parlor because uh, a bit like Dan said their cows are milking longer when they're on once a day and you would like to be able to kind of put them through a bit quicker if you could yeah, well, uh, a row of cows, a row of cows now, uh, you're doing very well to get them out in 15 minutes. Sorry, at the peak. You know, it's a long time standing there waiting. Yeah. So 10 rows of cows is two and a half hours at the peak. And uh, you can't, I, you know, when I was on twice a day, you could speed up milk in the days you were in a hurry and you wanted to get out fast. But you can't speed up the once a day. So you, you just have, have to wait there with them. Yeah, like uh, I think the point that you were making in that sense was that some people might consider once a day from the point of view of not having to go and invest in facilities in a milking parlor and so forth. It's not it's not something that you think is like you might do it initially, but ultimately you think that decision can't be kicked down the road forever. Like absolutely no, no. It's it's you you need you need the facility there. If you if you're making a, lo- a big number of roads. Once a day is not, not you know, if you're milking 15 rows of cows now, once a day is, is going to kill you. Yeah. Because that, that milking time in the morning is, is, is huge. It's going to extend. But you, you couldn't have you couldn't have too many too many units, I think, for, for the once a day. Yeah, okay. Okay. Um, so we'll just move on, I suppose, just to give people context around the, the, uh, the farm that you're farming. Then obviously, so where the circle is just after appearing, there is your farmyard. Um, if people can see it, uh, they'll see the public roads identified here and where the mouse is moving there on the right hand side is the area that was actually beside you um, that you lost, which was less than 100 yards. You said, I think some of the closest land was nearly 100 yeah. yard, only 100 yards away yeah. from you. It was you the right hand side of the farm there, yeah. Yeah. So people just, I suppose, as I said, to put it in context, this is the land that's two and a half kilometers away. And as you said, you're crossing a road here, a road here, and a road here to get to it. Mm-hmm. 
And as you said as well, it's not a case of letting them off and that uh, say some people may have, have ways and means of crossing some kind of by roads, maybe that people can still pass yeah. with traffic and they know cows are coming, but that, that wasn't an option for you. So yeah. the reality of it was so, I mean, you were really actually only using um, the vast majority of the time, the, the land around the parlor and the land across the road from the first, uh, at the first crossing and the rest Correct. of the land then was kind of your support block as such. So you were stocked heavily enough on the on the land that you were using as platform, say, even though all of it was could be classified as platform. Yeah. And if I was to, when when I lost the, 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 that land to the right of me, was that I would only have been able to stock up to, to, um, to that point there where the, the second road crossing. Yeah. That's what I would have called my weekend platform then. Just because it was just too um, too tricky from the point of view of going across here and having to come back across this road and then come on to cross this road again. Yeah, well, if, I know I'd have the, the if I if I stayed on the twice a day, I'd end up pushing it too hard and I'd end up depending, you know, at the shoulders. I'd come under a huge amount of pressure and the cows that have to walk and long distances, or I'd end up zero grazing and you know all that kind of thing would come into it. Yeah, no, it's just too. It's just too far away twice a day. Okay, so and I suppose um, the just to move on to how your performance is like. Uh, James has said you've actually very good performance, both financially and from a physical point of view. And Emma was talking about the four hundred uh, mm-hmm. kilos that they're doing um, on the research herds here in Moor Park. You're mm-hmm. doing four hundred and ten there in, uh, in your in last year in twenty twenty one, and. Like comparing that to what you were doing, you're kind of in around the 450 kgs on a twice a day herd scenario. And obviously 2018, then you saw the drop. How did you find that? We'll say, as I said, your hand was forced. You kind of made it, you made a decision, obviously. I won't say you were forced into going once a day. You made a decision to go once a day. How did you find that first year transition from having a twice a day scenario where you were doing 450 to having dropped back to the 375 in, in, uh, in 2018 then well i i i had lost i had lost basically a third of my my farm so i had accepted there was had to be a reduction in income but the fact that i was at the horse and jockey that that previous january and i had they were talking about the 80 percent production you drop 20 percent that sort of kept me going every time i'd and be comparing with with my discussion group, I was always within that eighty percent. You know what I mean. So yeah. I was quite happy. Thanks for doing a good job. Yeah, and that that I hadn't dropped more than what would have been expected. I also had kept, I had kept all the cows at that stage. So you know, so I had lost a third of my farm. I was only I had only about twenty percent of my production lost. Yes, I was quite happy. Yeah, very good. Uh, I suppose a key point to to emphasise here is that you, like in your twice a day scenario, in twenty seventeen, you were at nearly three eighty protein and four fifty fat. Like so, you have a very good um, basis to build from for the once a day. So you have the potential to do the higher solids. I suppose what I what I ask you is, you've obviously progressed there once you you got fell into the into the routine of once a day, I suppose, and the cows maybe getting adapting to it as well. You've, you've been increasing year on year. You feel that there's more in your cows in terms of a once a day um, solids yield. You have 
very little culling done in the last number of years in relation to uh, production ability and so forth. So, but you think that it's quite achievable for you to get back to where you were with that once a day herd now? Well, I do. I do. Yeah, I have. Uh, I have set that sort of target from it to hope to get back to four fifty kilo in. I don't know what kind of a time frame I've given myself three or four years maybe, but I to date I haven't done much pulling. Even the cows that go dry in August for me, they're still there. I mm. wouldn't. I wouldn't sell if a cow is not producing. They're not going to sell her as a, a milking cow for somebody else. Yeah. So. Okay. She she'll stay here with me until she naturally means off. She won't be bred to for replacements, but you know until she naturally goes, she'll be on the farm. And I have, you know, if that would say that bottom fifteen percent that are there in that scenario, if they're gone, it's going to improve my production. You know, but it's going to be slow. I'm not. It's not going to be a drastic change. I'm believer in small small steps and small steady progress. Yeah, very good. And I suppose the other thing, like fertility performance, was good in the first place, um, uh, and is nearly on a par. Basically, you 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 would think that that should be better nearly. Sorry. Your fertility performance has been good all along, but I think you were saying yesterday as well that you think it it has the scope to be better again. Well, well, that eighty-seven when I started. That was the year I put in. It was an extra forty efforts put in that year, so that's what made that one look so good. Yeah. But um, I suppose on the first year there, that the 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 Kevin interval there was three hundred and seventy eight. Was seventy eight. Mm-hmm. The following year is down to three sixty four. That I I nearly put that one down to the huge amount of meal that was gone in during the breeding, the drought. I might be wrong, but there was a factor or not. But I was. I had a serious hit on the first year in 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 fertility. Okay. Improvement hit. I yes. Mean. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's it's sort of been steady since, really. Um, I I I I would hope I'd be a bit improved this year again. I I'd be hoping to hit ninety, if not this year, hopefully next year. Okay. And I, I had a bad year this year now with the uh, dodgy straws. Tail end, so that's that's leaving me with a, a fairly high empty rate this year, and maybe that might improve matters for me going forward too, because we better stop coming in. Okay, very good. Just then, picking up on Dan's um, piece that he was covering there, the cell count element of it, and again, this comes back to your, uh, I suppose, lack of calling. We'll describe it as in the short term. You your cell count, you're managing it, but you again you've you've probably feel that it might be beginning to move in a direction that you're not going to be overly happy with. Absolutely. Um this year now I, I um I did a program with my vet on on, on selective trichotherapy and at the end of it I was advised it's not an option for me this because I had too many at the tail end but they crept up too high. There in November, December I went up my average probably went up over three hundred. Okay. Definitely in November, and there there was new infections happening all the time. So I think I'm at a critical point where I could it could balloon out of control if I don't take take serious action now. And I'm very interested in in Dan's presentation. There's a lot that I'd have to implement. Right. Okay. At 178, it's it's I consider it fairly good. It's it's at 
point where it could run away on me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, and would you have found it hard to keep that that in that order, Eamon, or is it okay, as you said, right up until the end when you just get that, I suppose, a lack of dilution, maybe housing coming into the equation as well? Yeah, no, all all through all through the the year, it's 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 not it's not been an issue. I've been under the, I've never gone over the two hundred until until November, anyways. I would say, but um, it's just there's there's obviously there's a few problem cases in that in that herd that I need to identify and and get rid of. Basically, I I twenty nineteen the first year of the pandemic, I didn't do any milk garden. Yeah. And that was probably a mistake. Yeah. Yeah. And then last year, I misrecorded. So I'm waiting until maybe the first the first recording this year now, where I'll I'll probably take action at that okay. stage. How's it having cured? Okay, very good. So we'll just move on to the financial piece. This is something that several people have been asking questions there during the course of today so far. Um. So we can see that. Your twice a day performance is shown there on the left and it's highlighted in red. And then your 2020 performance is highlighted and your group average then as well is, is in there. I suppose it's important to point out uh, that you are 100% cow farm, we'll say. So from a per hectare point of view, you're all dairy hectares really. So people yeah. that are rearing their own heifers or have outblocks and so forth, it can dilute that. But so just, just to be clear for people that uh, your performance relative to your group average is is uh how do you say slightly inflated maybe in in that regard but your performance is very good at the same time like and we can see that okay as you said you accepted that there was a financial hit going to come when you went once a day and you knew that it was coming at you but you're still delivering quite a high level of output um costs were something that you've been very focused on ever before the whole issue around the land um been been taken away yeah. um so do you think that that was an important element of it that you were focused on that cost that you were very cost conscious and i suppose maybe yeah. explain to people what what do you do to, to keep on top of costs or what's your way of operating that you make sure that your costs don't balloon basically <sighs> timmy i don't know i suppose i suppose that comes out to a discussion group my own group that I'm a member of for, for a good number of years, we'd always go through figures at the, through, at the, with the profit monitors. And I suppose it's compared and, and being open. And, you know, if, if if I was spending money, this is going back 10 or 15 years, if I was spending too much money on any one particular part of the business and I was out of kilter with the rest of the, the group, I'd have to... Uh, I'd have to find out why and try and rectify it. And I suppose it's over it's it's from years of that really. Not being left behind, trying to be as good as the next guy, I suppose. Challenging yourself. Challenging exactly, yeah. And in the, but, uh, the I was gonna say I, I don't I don't see myself doing anything special at all as regards cost control only I if I if I don't have to spend it, I, I, I don't spend. That's it. Yeah, that was an interesting thing in the, our conversation yesterday that uh, you you do, you put a lot of thought, well, I suppose I don't want, don't want to make it sound like it's a cumbersome thing, like, but you think very, you think once, you think twice, you maybe think three times, do you really need to spend money on particular things? But that's not to say that you don't have good facilities. 
you still have good facilities, but um, you mightn't spend big on doing those facilities or you try to find a, a, a kind of a leaner way maybe of doing them from a financial point of view. Well, the, uh, yeah, yeah. I, but simple, simple is often best, I find. And, and I don't know, an awful lot of systems get complicated with zero grazers and uh, I don't know, I'm not knocking the zero grazers, but it's an awful lot of people complicate their, their systems. For, yeah. for no no particular reason, but it's and they end up spending more money as a as a result. Whereas if you keep it very simple and you know get the cows to grass, harvest the harvest the grass, harvest the milk, that's all you have to do really. To, to, it's the most profitable way. Yeah. So um, I suppose the overall comment in terms of the financial side of things from your perspective will say so you, you obviously and i should point out here i forgot to mention it that that uh, 4300 per hectare on in 2017 is on the basis of the 76 hectares that you were farming there whereas 2018 is on the basis of the 54 hectares that you're farming and that's been the the hectares that are involved here so far uh yep. here before so um just like financially, so I suppose, can you just give me a, a very brief description of where you feel the business has gone from the point of view of finances? So you obviously, you had a good performing herd, you were very good financially because of a good cost base, but you had good performance to go with it as a twice a day herd. How have you, like, how would you marry, like people are asking the question there, putting the value on the labor, putting the value on the time maybe, you know, you're, are you down money relative to where you were year, a couple of years ago? Um and like is it a concern? Um I I I'm not I don't I haven't got the exact figure. I, I, I don't feel I'm down, I'm no worse off than I was when I was on twice a day financially. I suppose um when I was on twice a day I had I had more labor in the system. I had someone milking for me most evenings. Um when I took all that away and I, I lost that lease, which I'm not paying, when I take away all that, my bottom line hasn't really changed hugely. Yeah. Um, I'm not worried about about finances. Luckily enough, touch wood, I'm low borrowings. I'm not hugely overborrowed. So... Um, at, the, at the same time, we'll say there's, there's probably a bit of money... Tom, Tom Murphy, your advisor, was saying there yesterday that there's a bit of money to be borrowed, maybe to extend the parlor that you're talking about doing. Um, like you're not afraid to borrow money because you have the capacity to repay it anyway. It's just that at this moment in time, you don't have a high level of borrowings to. to, to uh, yeah, and, and I borrowed, I, I bought a bit of land in 20, 2019, just to the left of the, the Micken platform that's there. It, it just came online into the system, second half of last year. Um, I'm building cabin facilities at the moment. It was meant to be done, but it's not. It won't be finished for the first of February now. But um, no, it's a, it's I, uh, it's it's a cash, it's a cash positive business that I'm running at the minute. It's, yeah, okay, you know, very good. There is surplus. There is surplus money there. Yeah, so I suppose um, just to. to f- to focus on a couple of elements that people are asking questions on there your level of meal feeding now versus uh, what you were doing in the past not not a huge difference maybe i might be saving 100 100 kilos of meal per cow 
but I I find that the once a day cow well I believe that has to be fed the same as the twice a day cow she's not fed she's not out of produce and yeah especially at the, at the tail end of the year you have to keep keep feeding her well to keep her producing keep her going yeah okay she'll, she, she'll give up she'll give up quick the goes quicker than twice a day cow yeah which Emer's figures would have shown there that they're dropping off quite dramatically um so the other thing then is um, in relation to the cows that you had, obviously. So you had the crossbred herd that you you gone crossbreeding in two thousand and seven. Yeah. Um. But you you had were you milk recording? You said oh sorry yeah you said you dropped the milk recording because of the pandemic only. So before when you were twice a day, what kind of um, herd average were you talking about there? Some people are asking like we'll say just from these high yielding cows, it's kind of been a trend of the the whole conversation today. How did they adapt to go into the ones a day from at a commercial level? We'll say on your farm. The, what was I producing before I went on once a day? Yeah, what was your herd average? To, like obviously, like herd average. If it's if it's five and a half or six thousand, that means that there's cows quite easily doing seven and higher thousand liters. Like so, those cows are the cows that you've transitioned to once a day. And I suppose the question is, have have they transitioned okay to the once a day? Yes. The real high yielding cow that I have, and you'd see her when she calves down. Now, you you could have a cow there that she's over thirty five kilos of milk. Do you know when she's hitting peak? Yeah. But, but she doesn't carry that. She doesn't keep it long. Yeah. Okay. Do you know she just not have to carry that amount of milk, and she could go from thirty five to twenty five in a month. But they 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 stay at that. I don't find them problem. Yeah, okay. not, not a problem. They're not problems. Um, the ideal cow would be, to me, would be the high percentage that would peak at about 25, 25 liters and stay going. Your persistence rather than a big peak, like yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. And then I suppose um, just a final point I suppose to make is that the people are just asking about the labor and so forth in there, like that net margin figure there, be it per cow or per hectare is what you take out of the business to cover your management ability, we'll say, uh, cover your borrowings, pay your tax, um, make any repayments or whatever. It's, it's, yeah. It is accounting for any labor that you've hired onto the farm, but it's not accounting for your own labor. And look, that is just the way it is because we can't, like Eamon, you could have different hours worked to some of the other people in your discussion group. And if you go putting in your own labor into it, it confuses yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. So, so the, the that's what you have to live with, basically, and cover yeah, and the I, expenses. I, yeah, I, I have to say, you know, you're talking about labor and pandemic for the last two years. I have two, two sons here that would have helped out the last two springs now because of the pandemic. Yeah. Do you know that they were at home? Um, if the, this year could, could be different, I might have to go looking for a bit more, a bit more labor now this year. You know, so that that's that that figure there is paying all all family labor. We'll put it that way. That's oh yes, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. So just to summarize it, I suppose, um, like while while your hand was forced, I suppose I wouldn't like people to get the perception that you fell into into once a day either. Like you you did it, you did a bit of thinking. No, you didn't have a lot of time to think about it because, as I said, you only got five or six weeks notice of the last of the land. Yeah. But it, you made the business decision, and I suppose I think it should be clear from the way you spoke about it that you had the alternative, you had the option of 
either sell 40 or 50 cows and concentrate it on those uh, that area we'll say just that the one side of the road basically that you don't need the one road crossing to deal with or you could you go down the route once a day continue to milk the cows and obviously be able to overcome the obstacles of the road from that point of view by virtue of the fact that you wouldn't have to be crossing them as much and um, go on yeah sorry the utilizing of that land that land the faraway land is probably the best land i have and right. if if i if i went on the twice a day that that land would be used for a low margin enterprise be it dry cows or producing silage or dry dry stock you know so i felt the twice or the once a day really uses that land and makes it a high value enterprises on it and your figures yeah. actually your figures show that like your financial figures show that yeah 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 it emphasizes that 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 was it was a very like it's a it, you're making full use of it all because you can produce high return uh, material from it by virtue of selling milk off of it rather than selling anything else yeah yeah or, or cutting even cutting winter feed off of it or you know it's just yeah and just on, the, it's a question that just came in there as well in relation to your silage situation. Are you cutting silage off of some of your block, obviously? Oh, all, all, all the feed is coming off there, maybe maybe a small percentage, but it's coming off all that platform. Okay, and you were saying with the acquisition of the new land now, you'd be hoping that you'll be completely self-sufficient uh, yes. with that extra land. And the other yeah. thing that I suppose is important to point out as well is that you actually don't have any intention of changing your cow numbers because of getting that extra bit of land. You're actually seeing it as a, a kind of an insurance piece for your farm that you'll be able yeah. to... Well, yeah, and with the new regulations and environment and all that and nitrogen usage and all that, we have to try and try and make more sustainable, I suppose. And I, I it's another, another part of what I find about the whole thing when when I was stocked at three point three cows to the hectare, and back in twenty seventeen, I always had to have the grass had to be a hundred percent there around the pair. I had to get out with my fertilizer in time. I had to be pushing, and I was under pressure at at the shoulders. Things got complicated always, and I find when I'm using the whole platform, it's stocked. It could be two point four now. It's just it just makes. You know, there's no pressure on you. You go through a bad patch where the grass doesn't grow until start growing until May properly. You have the whole area available to you. Yeah, you know, and it makes it makes life so much so much easier. Yeah, super. So I suppose just to highlight the the points that you were making to us in relation to going once a day, you're you're using eleven point nine ton of grass, I think, which means you're growing around fourteen ton, which ties in with that stocking rate that you just mentioned there as well. But they they they're the key drivers. They they haven't changed because you went from twice a day to once a day. Your drivers are still the same. So you have high level of grass utilized, uh, possibly even more now from what you're saying there, because you're not under as much pressure on an ongoing basis. There's probably more grass getting into cows. Um, excellent cow performance by virtue of great genetics and obviously higher grass utilization or good grass utilization and then while well, underpinned the whole lot of it but in a twice a day scenario and even more so in the in the once a day is very good cost control um and that's underpinning your performance as a whole right 
And then I suppose the lifestyle benefits. Oh, sorry, you're going to say something there. Sorry. Oh no, I was just I was going to agree. It's just, it's it's all about turning grass grass into milk. It's our cheapest it's our cheapest feed and best feed, and get cows out to to graze it. That that goes across the board for once a day or twice a day. Yeah, very good. Um, I suppose the the you play a bit of golf as well, so the lifestyle benefits of going once a day were advantageous from that point of view. Well, I don't know. Do I play golf? Would you go to the golf course? Golf. I go to the golf course, all right, and I go to the hurling country here. I go to all the hurling matches. It's it's lifestyle. It's it's totally different. And I suppose even in Milken, most dairy farmers spend their day. And their day revolves around the evening milking. Everything has to be done to suit the evening milking. So when, when, when that went, it, it just changed life completely. It's just so much time. You, if you want to go doing a job, you can go off at four o'clock and spend four hours mowing grass or shaking manure or whatever. Which you could, if, if I was milking in the evening, I'd be under pressure. I, I couldn't go at it, all right. You know? So it, it's just freed up so much time. And equally, then, I mean, I suppose if you choose not to do those, you're actually free. You don't have to go milk cows. So there is, like, I think the key thing was that you were saying a lot of people look at it as a labour saving element, which was actually more of a time saver, do you thought, rather than a labour saver? Well, yeah, a time. There's only seven days in the week and there's only 24 hours in the day. And dairy farmers are the best in the world for filling them up with work. And that once a day has just taken out a huge amount of that. You, you'd manage all the labour of it, but the time, the time that you spent in the milk barrel is, is called a waste really. It's time you can spend as well. Yeah, okay, very good. That's all for this week's Let's Talk Dairy webinar series. And don't forget to look out for more bonus episodes each week. I'll be back with our usual Dairy Edge interview on Monday, so do listen in then. I'm Emma Louise Coffey and thanks for listening.